Hello, fellow patriots. Are you, oh, wait. You you ready? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready to record, Mom. Thumbs up. <laughs> Thank you. This, this is what happens with low cost production, everybody. Welcome to the show. <laughs> What's new? I mean, if you look back at Frank's interview, you'll see I accidentally left the ticker running along the bottom that comes with StreamYard. So, you know, hey, it is what it is. Um, I'm not looking to add uh, producer to or, or television producer to my resume. I have event producer, but not television producer. <laughs> Two totally different things. So everybody, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for joining us here on Patriots Perspective. As you well know, we have the motto that we do unto others as we would have others do unto you. And we have an excellent show for you here today um, because I know this patriot and the patriot was introduced by a person who is no longer with us. And um, you know what? The enemy thinks they can take one person out, but guess what? He brings another and he brings us together more powerful than ever, Jesus does. And I'll just tell you, today's testimony is an amazing, powerful one that comes directly from a Florida hospital. That's right. You may not believe it, but Florida, Freedom Florida, this testimony comes from a Freedom Florida hospital. And this is a hospital staff worker. She is going to be undercover. We are not going to expose who she is. Um, to protect her identity, but I do know her. She is here with me right now, and she is going to be off camera the entire episode, and um, you're just going to have to trust me. She's a great lady, and she comes to me by way of many great people as well, and I want to interview her today because you're not even going to believe her story, especially coming from a hospital here in Florida. So welcome to the show, hospital Florida worker. We're going to call you Carolyn today. I hope that's okay with you. That's fine. So Carolyn, please tell me exactly why you're coming forward today. I want the truth to be told big about what um, this medical tyranny is causing for people. Um, co coercing them to take an illegal vaccine that will harm their body just in order to keep their jobs. And um, I decided to fight the fight. We thank you so much for coming forward um, with, with what you have seen. Um, so I, throughout this interview, I'm going to ask you several questions. I don't know if there's some questions you can or cannot answer. So feel free to answer what you can. Um, if you don't feel comfortable answering them, you know, tell me we need to pass. Okay. Because I know this is your first interview. I know it's not easy. It's not easy for me to ask you, you know, the questions either. So you've been working in a Florida hospital for about how long? I was there about 20 years. Um, very well respected employee. And, uh, and did you ever have any problems before the COVID, this COVID? Not at all. Not at all. I loved where I was working. I loved my job. I love the people I worked with. And um, I was just looking forward to uh, finishing out my time there. And it, what about this COVID protocol 
was completely different than anything else you had ever seen. Obviously, we all know that COVID was was way different than anything else any of us had ever seen. But what specifically caught your attention from the very beginning? From the very beginning, um, I saw that the 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 virus was not really um, told. The truth wasn't told about it. Um, mainstream media was hyping it up, medical facilities were hyping it up and, you know, every, the whole world was pretty much under the spell of the COVID virus. And I saw the, um, the control that the government was giving, making everyone do with the masks and the distancing and staying at home and everyone's worlds were turned upside down. And I don't think it was really that necessary because, um, based on what you saw, at based on what I saw that the fear factor was through the roof. Everyone was just so afraid about it. And I just felt like, you know, the HIPAA, HIPAA policy pretty much went out the window because, I was hearing about this person had COVID, that person had COVID, this, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, where do we draw the line about who we talk about? Exactly. Because the, the whole thing with HIPAA, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with HIPAA, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming everyone who's, who's been on this channel is already very familiar with HIPAA. Um, that is pretty much your only rights that protects your medical freedom um, so that only you can know about that freedom. And, um, you know, we had the Patriot Act, and I hate that it's even called the Patriot Act, um, mm -hmm. to take away our freedom with travel. Um, and so now here we have this COVID-19 piece that's also taking away our freedom with medical. That's and, right. and people here in Florida, I think they're a little unaware that um, I believe it's back in mom, but you're going to have to help me out here. Was it 2018? Governor DeSantis um, had a bill cross his desk um, that took away some of that basically gave the state of Florida the right, to the right, the right to vaccinate. That's right. So they gave the state of Florida the right to vaccinate everybody, everybody. If uh, only one person has to say the word. It's not even the governor. It's actually our health, not even our, our, uh, it's not even our general, um, what is it? The general medical guy, uh, sorry, the, the surgeon general. It's not even our surgeon general for Florida. It's another person. It's like, okay, why does that person get to decide that we're all going to get jabs in our arms all of a sudden? Okay. So back to what you were seeing at the hospital. So when you were at the hospital, what were some of the first things that you began to see? You know, because what I remember is that we all, you know, healthcare workers were there, our heroes, and we were all going out and clapping on our balconies. And we were, you know, there's like this whole mm -hmm. regiment all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it kind of reminded me of being in China. And seeing what happens there, you know, when the government mm. tells them to go outside their house and they're clapping and, you know, everybody's supposed to be, you know, that's our form of dis, you know, because remember everybody's on their balconies and they're all clapping, you know, when the healthcare heroes get off work. And then all of a sudden that changed dramatically when it came time for 
these vaccinations to roll out. But I want to go back to, I want to say before the vaccination. So okay. what happened in the very beginning that you kind of tended to notice, like at the hospital, at the very beginning of all these new protocols rolling out? Mm -hmm. Well, it to me, the numbers weren't adding up. Um, based on what I heard on alternative media, I was not watching CNN or any mainstream media. And so I was hearing the truth and what I saw at work was totally different from that. And I saw the fear and um, I saw people changing before my eyes um, that they just were so petrified. And the hospital just hyped everything up and we had the, the labels on the floors, the areas closed off. Um, I always called it the crime scene tape on like the two seated booths in the cafeteria where you couldn't sit with one another person. You had to sit by yourself. And it's all these things controlling our, our way of life. And in, how suddenly in, did that work. come about? Over time, it was... First, it started out with the masks and um, the social distancing, not so much, but they um, dispersed us to other areas of the hospital to do other jobs so that we weren't quote unquote packed in our departments. And some people were sent home to work. And um, so it was a fight for trying to keep your hours so you didn't have to take time off. And so um, hold on. they were trying to, while this they were, pandemic was going on, they were making us do other jobs and they were taking you away from your normal taking, job, taking me away from my job. I was only at my job one day a week and I was very busy. And um, so you normally worked, a full week, full right? Week, yes. Yeah. Full, like a full 40 hour yes. week. And so then they, they were pulling you they, away at pulling the same me time. away from my job to do other things. And what other things are you able to say? What other things they were having you do? Well, they, they had some people work as screeners. They had other people work like for when you say screeners, to, um, screeners to, to uh, screen people as they were coming into the door, making sure that their temperature was at the, normal level, making sure they had a fresh mask that fit the hospital. Um, they had to wear a designated mask in the hospital. They couldn't wear another, they couldn't wear a mask from outside. They couldn't and so, get their little fancy masks and wear them. They had to wear the hospital mask. So this is everyone coming in, everyone has to put in. on a mask that belongs to the hospital. Yeah, they were disposable masks, but it was a certain mask that, that they were passing out. And it had to did, be that one. And what did the mask say on it? What was the difference in that mask? Well, I happened to take a picture of one of the boxes and it it said it does not keep corona, the coronavirus virus out. Interesting. I had yeah. the same experience with situations such as the Apple store where um, there were there was actually a description written in Mandarin, and yeah. and it said the same thing in Mandarin, um, along with could contain other particles. Um, 
that, you know, I think this is all very interesting. And where did, did they say where the masks from the hospital were made? China. Of course. China. Where, China. Where, supposedly where this virus came from, China. Yeah. Um, which we now know that China means China, could mean China, Ukraine. Hmm. Interesting, okay. huh? Okay. So that's just, that's another rabbit hole that you guys can go down if you like. It's C-H-Y-N-A. Well, <laughs> we were told to be six feet apart, but we had to be right on top of the person to take the uh Temperature. And where do, were you having to take the temperature? Well, we started out outside, outside the entrance. Okay. And then when it got really hot, we were brought inside. Okay. And then where um, the temperature, did the, like the temperature check, did you guys change devices? Like, or it was like <clears throat> some new device that you used to take the temperature with, or is this the same devices you guys have? It changed used? over time because we had different ones. I guess they would break because they're just not used to being used that much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like thousands of people. I don't know about thousands, but. And is this like an ear thermometer? It was the forehead. Forehead. Pineal gland, huh? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So temperature is taken through the pineal gland. Um, which is, you know, to mm -hmm. get people really used to, I don't know if you're aware, but it actually gets people used to like feeling something on their forehead, such mm -hmm. as a gun or something else. So mm -hmm. that you began to feel these sensations that you're not really used to, um, form of mind control as well. Yes. Uh, many whistleblowers yes. have come forward to say that it is a form of mind control. Okay, so let's go back to some of the other things. Um, how were the workers treated in the hospital? Um, how did, when did you start to notice a little bit of a shift, or did you notice a shift at all um, from the hospital workers um, being taught to do other things? Well, they were trying to thin out our office so that we weren't so close together. So they needed only a couple of people in the office per day. So there'd be two people working in the office and they would help everyone else in the suite. And um, the others would be uh, screening or doing other things like um, dispersing special supplies for the units. And um, some were, were um, bringing, pulling, uh, letting patients in, screening them. So a friend of mine works at a Georgia hospital and she told me a story of where they weren't able to get PPE during this time. And then when they did get their inventory in, the numbers were very skewed in terms of, you know, they would say that they maybe had 2000 and they only had a thousand come in. It's like a thousand got lost, but there was no protocols for where to report the additional pieces that are missing. I, um, I did hear some complaints just sitting at the door. I mean, I could hear people talking and, and they would remark to me because I was just someone to listen to them, to vent. And I heard a few say that, you know, here they're making us do this and work on COVID floors and we're not getting the supplies we need for to protect ourselves. And did you feel as though the, the, the hospital managerial staff was doing things and taking actions to take care um, of those, resolve those situations or did they ever become concerned that, you know, the staff 
you know, was not, you know, what did you notice any like real changes there? Um, I didn't really observe it that much, but I know our department was passing out N95 masks or the respiratory, respiratory, whatever they're, the masks that have the little things in the front, they have the filters on them. I don't know what they're called. And um, they were made, and evidently they weren't given filters on a regular basis, but they were told that the filters lasted a year. But I don't know what the truth is about that, but I would think if you're breathing into something for 12 hours a day, that the filter would need to be changed more than, yes. more than what they were saying. You would think so, for sure. But, you know, I, I'm not, I don't have medical knowledge, but um, I think I have common sense. And when something doesn't sit right with me, I question it. So what did you notice in terms of rewards, um, you know, because some of the th some of the nurses on, you know, TikTok, it seemed like TikTok videos were really coming out. These doctors, mm -hmm. staffs, nurses, like I'm just wondering where all the time went, you know, for, you know, if, if we're in the middle of a pandemic, how do they have time to create all of this, all of these videos? One thing I observed about the hospital was that it became all of a sudden it became a ghost town. Oh, yeah. The hospital became a ghost town. To me, it just seemed like nobody was around. There was hardly anybody in the hallways. And I'd see, a, you know, a few hundred people come in to work because I did the employee entrance with when I was screening. But on a, just wandering, the, not wandering, but walking the halls to do various things to go from one place to another in the hospital. Hardly, it just seemed like no one was around. So it was really skeleton crew, it seemed. Um, Do they let you walk from floor to floor? Because one of the things that- There were, we could not go to the COVID units and they had them blocked off. And, um, but one of the observations I, I uh, saw when I was screening I was working in an area where it was a hallway where they would transport uh, patients and the employees would have masks on, but the patients wouldn't have masks. And I said, well, doesn't the patient need a mask? And they'd say, oh, well, yeah, I guess so. So it was like, it didn't Nothing seem was... right. It didn't make sense to me. There were things that just didn't connect. So with the protocols um what what from the protocol of entering the hospital so you took their temperature um were you guys documenting uh, the number of new patients coming in and uh, and did those numbers seem to match up with what you were seeing um as a whole i i did ask somebody early on because they were listing the number of deaths and this was at the very very beginning and the person i asked told me that well, the patient might have had cancer, but they died with COVID. So we count them. Mm -hmm. And so after that, um, I would get the, everyone got an email report showing the number of patients, COVID patients, the number who were, that was discharged and the number of deaths. And it was cumulative. And so I would calculate it every time and it came out to between 11 and 13 percent fatality rate 
And from what I was hearing on real information, it was less than 1%. Everyone, it was a 99.9% survival rate. And so if a hospital is showing a 11 to 13% fatality rate, nothing added up. Over 10 times the amount. Exactly. And, and I felt like, well, this is definitely, they're definitely skewing the numbers, especially if they're, they may have COVID at the time, but they died, really died of some other cause. Yeah, which, yes, exactly. And that's, you know, obviously we know we saw the, the death rates for, for other things, even basic pneumonia, basic flu, everything else go down. I yeah, mean, flu so, and pneumonia went away. Yeah, yeah. pretty much went away. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of other things went away. I mean, exactly. you know, I think a lot of people that are watching this channel would probably already know that. Um, in terms of what you, what you may have seen out, you know, obviously we know that there was a payment plan was initiated do you know anything about the payment plan that, that was initiated to doctors or nurses that that came over time and um it just seemed like all of a sudden they had money to buy all this equipment and all these supplies and towards the end of my screening um before they sent me back to my office uh full time they came out with these thousand dollar electronic little robot type temperature takers. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Tell us about those. What, what kind of, and they, and I found out they cost a thousand dollars each. So a the area, taker. yes. So the area like where just a I was, thermometer. no, it was, it was on wheels. It looked like a little ro robot with a screen on it. Okay. Yeah. And you walk up to it and it reads your temperature, talks to you. It tells you whether or not you have a mask on and it'll tell you to put your mask on. And uh, I felt like I was in uh, 1984, yeah. <laughs> the, the novel, 1984. Wow, <laughs> not the year. I, I think I might have seen this in the in the um, the Filipino airport uh, when I flew into Manila back in February of 2020. Um, I had to go through Manila, and um, there was a there was a screen and. It, it looked like it was taking your body temperature, it showed your whole body. Oh, believe it or not, as you were walking. This was just your face. This yeah. was just your face. And it would tell them, I guess it would tell the people like over on the side if there was anybody that had a temperature. So that mm. part was really, really interesting. Wow. Um, so I had no idea that this was happening here in the United States as well. Yeah, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, if we don't have, if, we don't have elective surgeries. Where are we making this money? Because I knew elective surgeries mm -hmm. were the money maker, right? For hospitals. And um, let's repeat that again: elective surgeries. Elective, yes, elective surgeries, surgeries are, the money makers. are the money makers. And um, so, if they can't do elective surgeries, in other words, they're, they're not the hospitals making money. Aren't really making money. Right. So it does make you wonder. You know, obviously, they had to have been getting government um, payouts for mm -hmm. all of these deaths. So there's, right. you, you know, when you are the hospital, you know, and you're the hospital administration team and you're the CEO of the hospital, because people don't realize that the hospitals are businesses, just in okay. case you don't know. And with those businesses, they are going to do whatever is going to increase profits for that business, or they, at least that's what they should be doing. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they've taken this Hippocratic oath. 
Um, I want to know, did you ever have anybody in your hospital mention the Hippocratic Oath, Nuremberg Code, um, or was anybody concerned about any of no. that? No. 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 Okay, so let's move on to the point of, okay, that was the, is there anything else we should add regarding the... Something the, came to mind because around the time we got those funny machines, um, a nurse manager told me, he says, you know, I don't know why I'm working anymore. He says, I could quit and come back as a traveler nurse and make a lot more money. Mm -hmm. So they were making, I think, between 5000 and 10000 a week. Mm -hmm. and being put up in a hotel yeah you know room and yeah. board paid and and who was did where i have one other whistleblower that has come forward that worked in administration and payouts and he has told me stories of nurses coming to him asking what were the incentives that day mm. based on what medications they were giving out? Have uh, you heard anything regarding any of that? Not necessarily from the hospital where I was working, but um, I've heard it in the news, you know, that I listened to that a lot of, um, a lot of nurses, uh, well, a lot of nurses and doctors are pretty much told to use like, the, what the hospital's protocol is for COVID patients at, or else they'd lose their license. Okay. So it's just a loss of license. Yeah. Do you know any doctors or nurses that, that were fired or terminated for um, not following the CDC protocol? I don't know any, uh, any doctors per se, but I am acquainted with a doctor who uh, worked as a contractor, surgeon, anesthesiologist, who chose not to take the vaccine mm -hmm. and um, he went on leave of absence. So he was not terminated, but he's going through um, an issue now about coming back as he said, he did have COVID and he was trying to get back at, at his job um, with the fact that he's um, immune to COVID and not needing to take the vaccine. And so what is the protocol at the hospitals regarding the vaccination? Well, when I was working at the time, uh, the mandate began in the summer and we had until um, we had like three months later, we had a deadline. And if we had not gotten the second shot or at least com completed the two shots or at least had the one shot of Johnson and Johnson by the end of that month, we would be uh, put on a one week unpaid leave during which time we would have a decision to make, you know, do we get, go ahead and get the vaccine or do we allow them to terminate us? And, um, and they, so, they specified a specific vaccination that you had to get. I, yes, they were, they were mainly offering Pfizer. I know other people had gotten Moderna, but I think they'd, gone to like a pharmacy, CBS or Walgreens. Uh, but I think there were times when the hospital was offering both. Um, and uh, so they just expected employees to roll up their sleeves 
Yes. And take these. Yes. And not quite Even sure. though you had already worked through months. Yes. With COVID patients, checking them in the doors, many of you having COVID already. So you went from the healthcare hero to zero pretty mm -hmm. much. Yes. Where you had no rights. Yes. If you wanted to keep your job. Right. And um, so during this process, what, what what is the process for that? Well, I I asked for you know more information about the the vaccine because I said you know I don't think you're giving us a complete informed consent. You know. So what does that mean? Did, did, they, did they offer you a, an ingredients list? No. So they never offered you an, an ingredients no, list. No, they they offered to let me talk to the medical director, and okay. I was like like I'm gonna trust him. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> But um, uh, with all the literature that they posted online for all the employees to read, um, none of it answered my questions that I had. And I never felt comfortable with it. But at the same time, I pretty much made my decision because I, I saw I knew too much. It was just not worth it to put my, my body on the line like that. But... Um, and um, were they accepting any um, religious exemptions or medical exemptions? Yes, they were. They gave, I think, like a two-week window to apply for religious and medical exemption. And during that time, I heard from a couple of people saying that they were told that it was going to be very difficult to get religious exemption. And one was uh, a chaplain. Oh, wow. Yes. And so, um, so the chaplain told you it was going to be very difficult. To no, the chaplain was told oh, the chaplain was that told. it would be very difficult to get a religious exemption. Wow. Yes. And, who, and do you know who told the chaplain that? No, I don't. But, um, that, that opened my eyes because, you know, he, he, he told me, he says, I, I look at my job as a ministry. Yes. And so he felt like he couldn't leave. So he took the vaccine. Yes. To, in order to stay. Exactly. Exactly. Against his. And he said, if I had known that 100 mm percent, -hmm. and I think there are about 6,000 religious exemptions requested, and this is a very large system, mm -hmm. um, they were all approved. Oh, they were all approved. Yes. So he never applied. Never applied. Yeah. That's very sad that he never applied. So that's the reason um, on Patriots perspective, for those of you watching, we do have a religious exemption and um, medical exemption letters um, that are pre-written. All you have to do is copy and paste them. Um, they include the Nuremberg Code. Um, they have worked for major companies, even Fortune 500 companies. Um, I've asked all of you out there who have used them and there I've heard many success stories. I have not heard any failed failed stories or failures of these um, not working. However, I'm sure that there's, you know, there's one or two out there that, but I've asked everybody, please just report back and let us know if they have worked for you or if they haven't worked for you so that we can create that list as well. Um, because I'm very concerned. Mm -hmm. That's one of the first things that I did. Um, that is the reason um, the Patriot who's no longer with us, Roger Reston actually connected us through the grapevine several different ways. Um, 
and um, God bless him for doing so because he knew mm -hmm. that, you know, I was, you know, helping people fight this in many ways. And, um, you know, people, you know, it's kind of funny because some people would actually work at their home and California companies were telling them, you know, their main headquarters in California, they never yes. go to the office, by the way. Right. And there were companies like in the very beginning. So when I realized my friends and other places were, were being like forced early on, I was like, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. So I began to take, thank you, Thomas Rents and um, yes. Lee Dundas and all of you, because I basically took all of their letters, combined them. Like if, if one piece was missing, I started combining mm -hmm. everybody's letters, putting them all into one. So the ones that I have are extremely long. Um, they're written for, on a personal level and they're written for your HR departments. There's two different ones. So they're written both ways, but, and it's basically a fill in the blank. It's, it'll take you about 30 minutes to go through and, and fill it out for yourself because, you know, I do include very specifics that you should include and what you should change out or, you know, Hey, delete one or two of these and give you specific instructions on what to do. That's a good fit for you. That includes both re religious and medical Kind of bundled into one so they absolutely cannot say no and if they do you have a massive case for a lawsuit on your hands mm -hmm. um so you know i really wish that he had gotten his hands on that particular letter so you know one of the things i can mm -hmm. see that we can do is actually make sure that those letters are, are spread far and wide if nothing else exactly. um, to avoid you know anybody else being forced Force vaccinated. And I can't even say like, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't know how other people out there feel. Feel free to leave us a note in comments. But, you know, I, I think we all have to take a stand. It's absolutely, you know, we, we must take a stand. Mm -hmm. And you took a stand, right? Yes. And I chose not to take, um, go for the exemptions because um, I felt like I didn't, want to be part of that organization anymore and it was oh a way out but at the same time i was showing them that I, i'm gonna fight i i want to fight this and what they're doing is wrong and the um employee health office refused to fill out the form that asked questions about uh, bodily so harm, submitted, let's, go back, let's go back to that. So you submitted, a, you actually submitted a form to them from yes. Lee Dundas or it was the form that I found on the American frontline doctors okay. website. And I sent it along with an article, um, by, uh, Senator Ron Johnson and basically saying that the biotech Pfizer vaccine was not approved. Mm-hmm. Only the Comirnaty was approved, and that's not available in the United States. And, and, and the Moderna nor the um, Johnson and Johnson were approved. They were all still under emergency use authorization. And so, based on that, I sent them that email with the form and asked them to fill it out for me. And they sent me an email saying we refused to answer those questions. So they would not answer the questions. They would not answer regarding the an injection. They expected you and every exactly. other worker inside an entire hospital system to take, including the chaplain. They would not fill out. Well, and their answer was, "Well, we've got to protect our community." What's the community? 
You know, I mean, if we all get vaccinated, then we will protect the community. Wow. So and each other, obviously, but you know. Have I asked? Are there any other anything else that you want everybody to know regarding this entire situation and and how it's changed you, your life? Um, well, it, this the last. To um, say two years, because it was this time two years ago that we were starting all of this. Um, my eyes have opened tremendously to what's going on in the government, what's going on in the healthcare industry, what's going on in so many areas. And um, what do you see? What do, what do you see? Like when you first started in the healthcare industry, what do you see now versus now versus then? Well, at the beginning, it was you know we were we were saving lives, we were helping people, we were. Um, it, it was like I had a boss at the time who was saying, "You're helping me save lives. You're helping me save lives," and it was just made me feel good because even though it wasn't right in the patient room or hands-on mm -hmm. i felt like i was doing my part to save someone's life and um then over time it was like um it was all about the money it was all about this it was all about that and you know it was just more control um during that time well before that they mandated the flu shot oh they did mandate yes the flu shot. And at, at that point, so I was progressed exactly. Yeah, before it was, it was um, just voluntary, mm -hmm. and then they mandated it, and you could. It, it was the same policy. You you could get a religious or medical exemption, and if you do, then you have to wear a mask. So you'd see this had one or two people walking around through flu season with a mask on. You knew that they got exempted. And, um, but I never thought of it because I thought the flu shot was something good. And I said, okay, you know, yeah, let me take it. And didn't think anything of it. And during so it the, started with a little, just one little, give them an inch and they'll take a mile. Exactly. So when they mandated the, um, COVID vaccine, I was thinking, okay, the flu vaccine is going to be coming right after, and I'm not going to want that. Mm -hmm. So it was like, if even if I stay, mm -hmm. you know, what do I do? Because they're going to continue to yeah, shoot, shoot, exactly. shoot. Yeah. So it's a never ending. And then, you know, what happens if I lose my job, if I don't get the booster? What if I get, you know, lose my job if I don't get this? So, so, I, I want to ask you about the when you originally started working at the hospital and doctors had to were treating patients. Did they have to refer to any manuals or anything to know what they wanted to do to treat the patient, or did they have to follow an exact regimen or protocol? I really wasn't part of that, so I really don't know. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but I'm sure that there was a manual of some sort. I mean, that you would just realize it's there yeah. Yeah. On, on basic things. And when, when, when the, my knowledge of rindesivir and how dangerous it is for uh, the, the COVID patients, um, I looked up online 
at the hospital to see what the protocol was. And they were using remdesivir and the ventilator and among other things. And basically came out and said that hydroxychloroquine doesn't work and ivermectin doesn't work. So they came out and said this does not work. Well, it's not required, not recommended to use. I mean, there there's wording there that, you know, you pretty much know that rendesivir was the drug of choice. And with that drug of choice, um, you know, regarding the payouts and things, you, you, you didn't hear anything about an extra payout for remdesivir or what I, I'll tell you what I saw Mm -hmm. after working at the hospital for about 20 years or more, I saw buildings being renovated like they'd never been renovated before. And do you know who owns some of the hospitals? I mean, are they all owned by private corporations and are they linked to any of the larger corporations? Um, Um, such as, I mean, have you done any research? I was just curious because I know you've done a lot of research. No, not necessarily, but the hospital system I worked for was nonprofit. And uh, so I guess a lot of the profits went into the buildings and so it was building. a nonprofit. So it, it was a nonprofit an, an NGO. So what I would like to from our conversation today, because I would love to interview you again, especially if you do this research that I'm about to tell you, go in and see who the NGO is connected to. So you're going to have to research. And this is what we should all be doing. This is, you know, how to research, um, you know, how journalists research, but go and find out the name of the hospital, which is typically on the about page of the website. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have to do a little research to see, you know, exactly what the corporate name is. Go under the corporate filing for whatever states they're in. So if they're in, Florida, they're in Georgia, you're going to have to go to the state website, find out exactly who the, who all is listed as, you know, managers, there's going to be managers, there's going to be the CEO, there's going to be different partners, because no matter what, even if it's an NGO, and then what you have to do is you have to keep tracking, because these NGOs, I mean, like George Soros is one of the main funders of these NGOs, Mm -hmm. and so that's how they've really gotten to a lot of different people in different methods. It's all the same people. Yes. Same people running the media, yes. same people running the Fortune 500 companies, yes. same people running the hospitals, same people running the colleges. So if you go and you connect, mm-hmm. it's like a big spider web that all links back to really like just several organizations. And I'm, when it, and I'm talking about they own Facebook, they on Microsoft, you know, we think it's just, you know, Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg, but they're just the puppets on the forefront, you know, Mm -hmm. that we see that we've trusted. Um, And so that's what I would be doing if I were in the situation, I would be going, okay, who owns this? Who owns that? Connecting and finding out where the money came from because you should be able to do some research on that as well mm-hmm. on your specific incident, because, you know, you're probably going to find that, you know, whoever, you know, whatever pharmaceutical company probably has a stake in the hospital. Yes. You know, yes. I, and I'll put all of those pieces together. So that way we have, you know, some real reporting to go off of to prove mm-hmm. like this is this and this is this. And, this is why, you know, they're taking, and then 
we come forward, you take off your identity, and you dare them to sue you for defamation. Mm -hmm. Because when they when they can, you know, when they're trying to come at you, they're it's an open can of worms. Yes. Then you can go in and you can do all kinds of discovery on them mm -hmm. to prove that they were colluding on the back end that these things were occurring. That's how it's done. Everybody just yes. needs to know that's how it's done. Yes. That is how we beat them because that's what they've done for years. We mm -hmm. have to go directly to the enemy. We cannot expect to lay down and take one shot, then it's going to be another shot, then it's going to be another shot. I mean, everybody needs to understand this AI thing is real. 5G is real, you know, uh, and, and it's not the 5G that we see in the little corner of our phone right now, mm -hmm. okay? Um, so, you know, that's, they're conditioning you to think that that is 5G. You can go look, that is not 5G, right? you know, that is a mm -hmm. fake 5G. Um, so just look that up. That's a completely different topic, but this all links together. I mean, we have families that have come out of the, these cults that are telling, you know, the kids of the families are telling exactly what they were trying to do and what they are still trying to do, you know, because the kids want no part of it. You know, this has gone on for generations. I mean, they've been abused. They've been mind controlled. They've been put on, you know, um, all kinds of drugs and everything. And, and somehow by the, by the grace of God, they have escaped. And all they're doing is asking, listen, I mean, why would they come forward? Okay. They, they come forward because number one, they want out because they're constantly trying to, you know, like reel them back in with something. Mm -hmm. And these things are real. They've been proven time and time again. I say, you know, it, last year's news, you know, I mean, this year's conspiracy theories will be next year's news, but then it's too late for you to do something about it. And that's exactly what they want. They want it to be too late mm -hmm. to, to for you to actually do something about it, whether it's graphene oxide in your body, whether it's they're injecting you with different items. And who knows how long they've really been injecting, you know, people with, you know, that have taken the flu shots and other things. Um, and for what reason? Mm -hmm. You know, what would have really happened? And I, and I say to everybody, you have to look and go, you know, how many people are dead in the streets? Okay. Obviously, they did something completely different in Wuhan, and that's if it was even real. I mean, there are people on the ground that were sending me videos that are saying that that was real. Did they turn on 5G? Was that a test? Hmm. You know, or was that even where the real test was done at all? Yeah. Because our former president keeps saying China, and he's been very specific to to pronounce that I, because it's an A in Ukraine. In the Ukraine. Yes, there, there is a China in the Ukraine. And so, and, and, and I believe that he's been trying to give us hints, hints yes, all along definitely. of what's happening. Okay. Mm -hmm. No matter if you love him or hate him, he's been trying to give hints all along of what's going on. He's been trying to tell everybody the media is fake. They are fake. I can tell you that they're fake. Yes. I've told everybody that they're fake. They, they don't do any, even enough research to know if you're good, bad, or ugly. And I'm on the news frequently, okay? So, and I'm telling you, they do almost zero research. They just make sure that you're not out, like, you know, shooting people with guns, okay? That's it. And, you know, it, it, and even so, they're probably more apt to put you on to be able to say that you've done something different. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But in that research, so if I could encourage you to research the company and try to start putting together the pieces of the company, 
um, that would be great. Yeah, I'll do my best. Yeah. It's and a good then, idea. That's and true. then also, you know, encourage people who are still in to document anything they can. And, you know, we've got a lot of footage from nurses that are documenting, you know, different things on their phones. They're documenting the drugs that are, mm -hmm. you know, being given, you know, they're documenting the inventory, you know, um, we've got a lot of great whistleblowers, you know, coming forward. And I encourage all of you, if you are out there, you have a, you have, you've taken a Hippocratic oath to your patient. And if you know, there's something a little off kilter, you cannot move forward with treating that patient under your Hippocratic oath. Otherwise, you will be on trial in the Nuremberg 3.0 or 2.0, excuse me. And I promise you, it's already happened. The filing has occurred in World Court on December the 4th, 2021. And I highly encourage all of you to go up and look up that filing. It was accepted, um, I want to say on March the 18th. I could have the dates wrong, but it was actually accepted in World Court on March the 18th. Now, who are the judges in World Court? We don't really know. Okay. But, you know, we have to realize these things are occurring and, you know, the media didn't get a pass for Nuremberg 1.0. The generals didn't get a pass. The citizens didn't get a pass. The army soldiers didn't get a pass and neither will you. So I'm just saying, I'm, I'm asking all of you come forward. I will interview you. I will get your statements on um, record. Um, I will turn those over to any of the attorneys working on those cases that we can find. You will have a copy of the tapes so that way you can um, have a copy for your records so that you are not part of Nuremberg 2.0. I want to thank you for coming forward. Thank you for taking a stand. You're welcome. And is there anything else you would like to say in closing? Do you want to say anything to the audience just want the truth to come out and i want the hospitals to be held accountable so you definitely think the governor DeSantis should not give the hospitals a pass no because that's that not. that is on his desk and if he gives the hospitals a pass we're going to know what kind of governor we really have exactly that would be the end of his career yes governor DeSantis, don't give the hospitals a pass they don't deserve a pass they're probably part of the NGOs. You probably know this already. We are asking you publicly to hold the hospitals accountable, set an example for the rest of the United States and the world. We need you. Anything else? Thank you for your time, Christine. Thank you. Everybody, make sure that you hit the like button, subscribe. And if you have any questions for this whistleblower, please make sure that you comment below. I will make sure to document those. Um, this video will only be on FluffTube for about 24 hours, if even that long. We'll be taking it off, but it will reside on PatriotsPerspective.com. Thank you very much for just sharing PatriotsPerspective.com with your friends and family. Because again, this video link will be gone shortly. So don't think that coming back here is going to help you at all. Um, I will make sure that I do put up a, just a clip, just to remind your friends and family of where the video is located. But thank you very much for tuning in today. And remember, okay, so we, we actually have a pre-recorded video that comes on after.
that starts that that goes into like a bunch of Bible verses and stuff like that. But it's hardcore. You got four minutes to Jeff. Okay. You want me to get him on the big screen? 